All right, dear listener, and welcome to a pilot of Queer Sounds. Yeah, there we go, Queer Sounds. Uh, my name is Hannah, pronouns they, them, and today in the studio with me is Walter. Walter, welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, could you please introduce yourself? Name, uh, pronouns, etc. Yes, uh, my name is Walter. Uh, I also use they, them. Um, I am 25. I uh, work in a bar. I do bookings. I do um, bar stuff, um, and I do a lot with music, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, Walter, today. Uh, queer Sounds is a podcast that exists to examine the queer music tastes, uh, queer music history, etc., etc., etc. And today, we're going to largely talk about, I guess, exactly that. <laughs> just, wow. just, our, just, our, just our music tastes. Okay, uh, Walter, thank you for being here. Um, first of all, how do we know each other? Like, we know each other through Aku, right? Yeah, yeah for Aku, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for those unaware, uh, we live in Utrecht. Aku is like this political, cultural center with a bar and stuff like that. And we both volunteer there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What do you do there, Walter? What do I do there? Um, I am the chair queer. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm, on, I'm on the board there, uh, which really doesn't mean that much um i've been working there for four years now um doing various stuff uh being behind the bar door shifts uh but also uh booking bands uh running nights um basically everything <laughs> how did you get into that what, the, especially the booking uh the booking was um gee how did i get into that uh, <laughs> just kind of start doing that yeah i just uh, a few years ago um I was uh, talking to this guy, uh, this friend of mine, uh, who has a band, Lifeless Past, and uh, they're based in The Hague, I think. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, couldn't can, can you, like, uh, get a, get us a gig at Aku? And I was like, well, it's, I'll see what I can do. And I quite like that. Um, I messed up uh, <laughs> my first try. Uh, there were, like, 12 people, and we had two bands. There were more, okay. more, more band members than audience me- people in the audience. And what exactly did you fuck up about that? Just the promotional one? Yeah, yeah, the promotion. We did most of the promotion uh, online, but none of us really knew what we were doing. Uh, I was doing this together with a friend of mine and one person who was supposed to be more experienced. But <laughs> uh, cool. yeah, so I was like, okay, guys, let's just invite all of our friends. And uh, so I did that. And then like two weeks later, my other friend was like, Oh, yeah, I didn't invite anybody because you know more people than I do. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and it kind of just, it, it, it didn't really work. Um, but, you know, we, we we learned from that. And, like, I'm happy to say that uh, a few weeks ago I booked another band and the place was absolutely packed. So, you know, it, it, there, there's a learning curve there. Names and numbers? What band? What band uh, are we talking about? Yeah, all right. So, a uh, few weeks ago, uh, December 29th, I booked Fangs on Fur and... Um, I don't know the exact number, but, well, the place was just absolutely packed. It was, well, we we, we, we made a nice profit there, I guess. <laughs> nice, nice. But why specifically booking? Just kind of happened to roll into it through booking a band of people you know? How did you yeah. go from there? Like, well, um, I go to a lot of, uh, like, like, music festivals, and, and I just have a lot of uh, social contacts there. Like, and it's a very DIY scene. 
uh, punk is, uh, also uh, like minimal wave, uh, goth. Uh, it's, it's all very uh, DIY. So it's not like um, this this unapproachable uh, band or this um, venue that's so huge you have no idea where to start. And also just um, being an being a, it being at Aku meant that I knew a lot of people who did already did bookings. Oh, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, they they could help me with that. And yeah, it it'll turn out pretty nice. So it's just like the scale of it all is just very welcoming and um, easy access. Yeah, 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 it is. And uh, like also what helps is uh, for the past two gigs I, I uh, organized, uh, I combined this with uh, uh, just DJ parties, uh, which have been in the running a bit longer, who know about promotion, right? know about bands, know about the techniques, the, the lights, everything. All right, uh, we're going to move along uh, because, as always, I ask my guests to uh, I, I give them some homework. Um, first is uh, Panic at the Disco. I write sins, not tragedies. There we go. Oh, well, imagine as I'm pacing the pews in a church corridor and I can't help but to hear, no, I can't help but to hear in exchanging of words. What a beautiful wedding. What a beautiful wedding, says a bridesmaid to a waiter. But what a shame, what a shame, the poor groom's bride is a whore. I chime in with a haven't you people ever heard of. Closing a goddamn door, no. It's much better to face these kinds of things with a sense of poison rationality. I chime in, haven't you people ever heard of. Closing a goddamn door, no. Much better to face these kinds of things with a sense of... Uh, I think I listened to this kind of music when I was like uh, 12, 13-ish. Uh, just trying to like make my first discoveries in music <laughs> uh, beyond what my parents listened to. Right. I mean, this song was released, I think, in 2006, 2007? Yeah, 2006. Six, which seven. would make you like 13, 14 ish around the time. Yeah. yeah, 13, 14, I guess then, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, literally in the prime of, uh, the prime of emo lifetime. Uh, How yeah. much were you into that stuff? Uh, surprisingly, not a lot. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, uh, at that time, uh, it's more just like just your basic alternative uh, person. I didn't quite like emo, but uh, I had a lot of friends who did. Right. This was kind of one of the things that we could agree on was nice. <laughs> <laughs> what were the other options? Um, what else did you agree on? Uh, what else did we agree on? Um, well, at the time, I was more into uh, things like metal, alternative rock, progressive rock. Um, they were more into um, a Jimmy Eats World, right. um, Yumi at Six. I think I, I <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> really the, don't know that much. Like the the Fallout Boys of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah Fallout Boy, uh, uh, Paramore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you you said you were more into metal. What what bands are we talking about there? Uh, oh God, um, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden a bit, yeah. Um, dude, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> what did I listen to when I was 14? Do uh, you even want to think about that? <laughs> <laughs> Got uh, some something that might be considered guilty pleasures now. <laughs> Oof. Well, uh, I like Linkin Park. Uh, I like Green Day, which you know it's a bit more. Uh, in punk direction. Um, yeah. 
Jesus, what else did I listen to? I swear I, ha- I listened to more than two bands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not a lot of teenagers listen to more than two bands, I reckon. I, I certainly remember I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's true. So, um, yeah, my, mostly just kind of like a good basic alternative music. All right, and uh, then Panic at the Disco just a scene. You first you first heard the song, and then what went through you? Well, when I first heard it, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" In a positive <laughs> or a negative sense? Uh, in a negative sense, I was, oh. I was like trying to be really hardcore, you know, <laughs> and uh, didn't work out. <laughs> But um, yeah, then I got like my uh, first partner. And she was really into this, so you know. Then, then you kind of start to appreciate it for the memories that it, yeah. that it carries. I guess that that's mostly why this is uh, a song I remember distinctly. And um, how did they come across this? Just out like, of the blue, or um, I, I I don't know like, where they where they found this. I mean, oh well. <laughs> was there a time at point because uh, if you listen to this through your partner, was there a time at this point where you couldn't listen to this song at all? Yeah, yeah. Right after we broke up, um, it was actually kind of, kind of, kind of cute. She asked her other ex, who was apparently a few years older, to like talk to me about uh, about that, about how to deal with that. And he was like, "Yeah, you know what? We're just gonna gonna yell yell along with a few songs." And he put on this, and I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> out of all things. Out of all things. Out of yeah, all yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, that how did that go? Did like was uh, were there tears involved? Was there laughter yeah, involved? Uh, was there, there booze there, involved? There, were, there wasn't that much booze involved. I was fifteen. I that much that I say yes. That much there was <laughs> <laughs> there was booze involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I don't know. Mostly I was think I was sad, um, bit angry that it ended. I, I, I was dealing with a lot of anger at that time. Thankfully, not as much now. But <laughs> so, did you did you keep on listening to Panic at the Disco in general? Like, are you up to date with their latest work, or did you just not care enough? Uh, well, for a few years, I really didn't want to hear anything about it. Uh, but recently, um, I have more friends who listen to it and who put it on. And like their new album, I quite like their new albums. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, some people are going to get into the purest direction here oh boy this is like uh, well panic at the disco is only one member now <laughs> the old stuff is better and <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you did you take part in that discussion or just gonna leave it aside and let them do what he wants uh i like their old music i like their new music um it's very different from each other um yeah it's it, it, it's it's much respect for like keeping on uh Uh, the band like that and moving in such new directions reinventing yourself that that's that's impressive when did you kind of rediscover panic at the disco like uh, up until when did um, you uh, weren't you able to listen to them anymore well weren't able it wasn't really the thing after like a year so when i was like 50 i, I could i could listen to it i still had friends that listened to it but i mm-hmm. wouldn't like put it on myself and um, i think it kind of came back when i was like 23 maybe I <clears throat> made some other friends who were into it and listened to their new sh- new stuff. Um, then I listened to their new stuff, and I was like, "Hey, this this is also pretty good." All right, yeah, sounds good. Um, uh, you brought along this song um, under the name uh, first musical memory." Yeah. Um, so there literally nothing else before that because <laughs> did did you really go the first fourteen years in your life without music? 
Well, I mean, I guess I listened to other music. Uh, bef- like, I think until I was like 12 or 13, it was just basically uh, whatever my parents listened to or what my older brother listened to. This is one, this is maybe not the first memory, but it is a memory that uh, holds significance in how to I relate to music. Right. How how does it hold significance again? Because if, well, if, if you spent like a quarter or a third of your life not listening to it at all. Well, it holds significance in the sense that uh, it is uh, a song, music, mu- music, which I distinctly link to a certain memory. Ah, all right. That makes sense. But what was the sound of your childhood then? It's just uh, Sesame Street. What were your parents playing? Like, uh, My parents have shit taste in music. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, my, my dad uh, he, he listens to the police sometimes. My mom's just full-on uh, basic Dutch music, like 100% now. Uh, yeah, 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 Jan Smith, that kind of stuff. Um, my dad kind of likes Coldplay. Um, so that's kind of the music I, I grew up listening to. And then I went to high school and I met a few guys who were like, oh, no, you should listen to this. And I was like, oh, this, this is pretty awesome. All right, and did it start snowballing from there? Um it it pretty much did, yeah. <laughs> uh, like yeah, I am twenty five now. I am up to my neck in punk, uh, in golf, in all sorts of DIY underground music. Um, so yeah, it pretty much did. Yeah. So you really started to read up on on things and actively looking to discover new things, or did you yeah. just happen to come across it? Well, for the first few years, it uh, mostly was just happening to come across them. And, uh, and back in the days before Facebook, we had Vampire Freaks, which was like... Oh, I remember that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Basically, golf MySpace. Uh, <laughs> and through there, I uh, discovered uh, a lot of other music, uh, which I really liked, especially things like The Cure, uh, old school, traditional golf. I, I almost forgot about this. I, I, I was in a band. Ooh, what did you play? <laughs> uh, vocals. Uh, I wasn't very good at it, but you know, we, we <laughs> that doesn't really matter if you're in a band. Yeah, I can. I, from the top of my head, I can name like five bands who have a terrible singer. Yeah, yeah, but you know, we had fun. Uh, we created our own music. It's kind of like synthwave. Um, uh, yeah, that was pretty nice. And when we did that for a few years, uh, we had like one gig, uh, mostly just practicing, training, doing some promotion, and never actually playing gigs. <laughs> so, but but now you're in the gig of booking gigs yourself. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could get band back together, but I I don't think uh, that that's my style of music anymore. All right, that's fair. What? Uh, how did it shift? Like this, this was very much my bandmates' project. Uh, right. It's very very synth. Uh, and I, I don't get me wrong. I like synth. I just uh, feel like I've grown more like like post punk, uh, daft rock. More of a guitar-carried uh, sound, even though I also uh, really like not guitar sounds like uh, Italo Disco or something. All right. Um, so how did you get involved with that band in the first place then? Just a friend who asked you to join? or Yeah, yeah, basically. It's like, hey, Walter, we need a singer. You're up for it? And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just say yes to those kind of things. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I mean... Uh, but would you get into a band again at some point, given it would be a different type of, type of music? 
Well, it's funny you should ask, actually. Like, uh, a few months ago, a friend of mine who is the singer for Fist, this uh, Dutch hardcore punk band, asked me if I would like to join. And I was like, yes. And then we never spoke about it again. <laughs> well, it came up a few few times, but it just didn't, didn't work out. Uh, but I, I would still be up for that. It was like all talk, no action, so... Well, it was mostly old talk and then uh, very busy schedules. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, fair. Um, what would you be doing then? Because you were a singer in your previous band, and now you would be yeah, taking on vocals what? again. Oh, yeah, okay. I like I, I have a bass guitar. Sometimes I touch it. Oh, man, that sounds really <laughs> wrong. Uh, <laughs> I have a bass guitar. I, I I play on it like maybe one song a month, and then punk songs. So like. Over a course of a month, you touch the touch your bass guitar for like two minutes. And then yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what's 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 stopping you? Just the busy schedule, or yeah, the busy schedule. Mostly also the conflicting schedule. Uh, uh, like yeah, that's this band would be uh, based in the boss. Uh, we're in Utrecht, so it's like oh half an hour by train. Uh, but it's also on Wednesday nights, uh, Wednesday evenings, and usually I work on Wednesday evenings. Yeah, so, that's yeah. But I, I, I like if 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 I would sit down with it for this guy, uh, with this guy, uh, with this, uh, uh, with this band, I could I could make it work. I just have to like uh, change my work schedule. All right. Yeah, you'll have to actively make space for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talking about making space for stuff, uh, I think it's about time we play our second track of the day. All right. Um, there we go. It's uh, it's our little fun segment called uh, Queer Artist of the Week. It's against me. I was a teenage anarchist. I was a teenage anarchist Looking for revolution I had the style, I had the ambition Read all the offers, I knew the Russogans There was a war Released 2010 on the album uh, White Crosses, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, okay, first thing that um, that I noticed when uh, when you came with the song is uh, usually when people recommend against me songs, it's from uh, transgender dysphoria blues or later. Yeah. yeah. Did you deliberately pick a, yes. pick a pre-transition song? I did indeed uh, deliberately uh, pick a pre-transition song to uh, empathize that. Uh, this band was already great before Laura Grace Jane. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, the other way around, isn't it? Laura what? Jane Grace. Uh, swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> How did I fuck that up? Uh, yeah, no, I uh, did uh, specifically pick a uh, uh, pre-transition song. Um, I honestly just went my favorite song from the album, but uh, there are also uh, what I think is... Uh, there, 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 were, there was subtext about uh, dysphoria, about uh, about her, her transition, uh, mm-hmm. and well, all the feelings and stuff that come with that in their previous albums. Yeah, yeah, 
you need to look for it a bit more, but it's there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Like you have the song uh, "Suffocation." Ooh, I love that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, it, and, and she talks about uh, homosexual sons of unfulfilling fathers, daughters in arms. Um, I think that, that that that's you know, if you know what to look for, it you, you can see that as. Uh, uh, yeah, well, subtext or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, no, I've actually uh, read her biography, and um, I think that subtext is is it's it's deliberately there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's also great how they sneakily uh, put that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, there, of course, there's the obvious songs like uh, "True Transfer Rebel," uh, "Transgender yeah. Dysphoria Blues." But I wanted to go with something a little more subtle. Um, yeah. If, if I think also that not just the last two albums are great, but also what came before that. And then out of all of this, out of all of the pre-transition songs, as as to call them, uh, why did you pick this one? Uh, well, because I was a teenage anarchist as well, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm still an anarchist, but um, I, I I just I, I quite like it. All right, it's just, uh, but but then again, people also kind of resent against me at this point right because of the because of alleged sellout type of stuff yeah major record deals yeah well you know you get that with every big punk band uh as soon as they sign uh major record deals there's people like oh well no this shit sucks because they got bigger deals and that's just not inherently true in my opinion that's true i agree besides with record deals you're gonna get great producers such as butch Vig to get get this song done yeah yeah like yeah no i i totally agree that um although after this record i think they actually went indie again didn't they started uh, uh, started their own record label yeah yeah they did yeah uh in 2014 i think when transgender dysphoria blues got i think, think 2012 published I don't know. I have. have the, yeah, I, I I know that she came out at uh, in in 2012, mm-hmm. and after that, I think they were dropped. I'm not entirely sure if there is a correlation there. No, I think they 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 they, they quit. All right. And then they started uh, their own. Uh, or well, uh, Laura started her own uh, label and studio. Yeah, mm, Trouble Trouble, I think. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, Total Trouble are. Music. Uh, yeah. yeah, there we go. Okay, so obviously, um, Laura Jane Grace, uh, trans woman. Do you identify with 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 her to some extent? or? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it, she's not just uh, a trans musician. She's also, uh, what I would say, politically active. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, for instance, when she burned her birth certificate on stage, Ooh, famously, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. This is like it was in North Carolina. Or it was in North Carolina, yeah, yeah. They had this well, uh, yeah. privacy and security and bathroom bill or something. You know, basically, oh, a yeah, huge transphobic yeah. uh, bill about which dictates which bathrooms the trans people could use. And she basically just uh, lit up her birth certificate on stage, saying "Goodbye, gender." Yeah, with like a sarcastic little wave at yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's it's an iconic moment in yeah, music yeah, yeah. history, if I may call it that. And yes, I may. Um, uh, for how long have you been a fan of this band? Ooh, I'd say for about four years now. Okay, that's fairly fairly recent. Yeah, it's I guess. fairly recent. Like, to be fair, um, until I was nineteen, I. Uh, didn't really realize I was queer. Right. So uh, 
whatever being queer um never um impacted well it, it did of course subconsciously mm-hmm. impact my musical choices and uh well just everything basically but after that i really started looking more into uh well underground queer uh music musicians uh what came first there were you listening to against me and thought oh shit i'm queer too or were you did you realize you were queer and then started to listen to more queer artists oh it's a bit both um like i was pretty active in the death rock scene at that time and uh the death rock scene is the scene that i've been in which has the most queer people right um and so i, I went along with a lot of queer people and knew a lot of queer people and I just thought like androgyny uh, which is like a major uh, style point uh, just kind of suited me uh, I didn't necessarily uh, think like oh well guess this means I'm queer or mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that um, so it took quite a while but like like I said Defrock is like one of the queerest scenes I've ever been in there's there, there there's a lot of queer musicians there and then I guess we should take it a step back. Like, did you get involved in that scene because you could resonate with the queerness of that scene? Or um, Ooh, did, you just, did you just get involved and then realized, hey, I'm just like these people? Uh, well, you know, it kind of started uh, back on Vampire Freaks again. Um, I just uh, went into this kind of forum group, uh, cults, as they were called. <laughs> and we just talked a lot about music and... Um, you know, I knew that a lot of my friends there who liked the same music, liked the same looks, uh, or gay, queer, um, non-binary, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But I wasn't instantly like, oh, wait, <laughs> does this say something about me? Does this reflect on me? And I don't think it is a necessity. Right. But um, yeah, it, as it turns out, I'm just like my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, we've got a lovely little saying there f- uh, for that in Dutch called short sook short. Yeah, um, yeah. Which basically, birds of a type flock together. Birds of a type, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, where did you go from that? You 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 got involved with with your with your own queerness and uh, yeah, start to wear like, it out more. Or? Typically, how much uh, changed at that point? Uh, well, like I said, before uh, I even realized I was queer, before I even realized that I wasn't straight, right. uh, I was already uh, pretty androgynous. Uh, I wore makeup, um, typically feminine clothing. Um, basically, at some point, it was pretty hard to see what my gender was, and I was totally fine with that. Was uh, it something you were deliberately striving for? At some point, yeah. Like... At first, I just had a bit, bit of long hair and uh, skinny jeans, and then I would be at work uh, at a supermarket, and people would come up to you like, "Excuse me, ma'am," and then they <laughs> they got were like, "Oh no, sorry, sorry, sir, sir," and you know, I was like, "That's totally fine with me. I don't, I don't really, I don't really mind." Oh, okay. And yeah, from there on, I went to more extravagant, more uh, intentionally androgynous looks. Um, yeah, it just kind of suited me. And then after a while of doing that, I figured, well, hey, maybe this is not just something superficial. Oh, all right. So that's like 
the green hab came before the before before you realized you were queer or, or yeah, as a queer yeah, speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kind of surprised with that little supermarket anecdote because um, that happened to me a lot as well, and I just kind of intentionally tried to push them off. This is like uh, <laughs> when people approach me because I've got long hair, I'll weight off my shoulders mm-hmm. as well, and um, when people approach me saying, "Oh, excuse me, miss," um, and then say sir oh i'm sorry sorry get all apologetic about it mm-hmm. i just deliberately like to say oh don't worry i'm neither <laughs> <laughs> well I, I worked into, into in a supermarket until i was like 18 and i was wasn't really aware of oh, my queerness right. yeah uh around then i actually like it, i i didn't realize that for a long time and i also think that that's to do with uh the environment where i'm where i come from right it's well i wouldn't say conservative but you know being gay is still something people get made fun of and yeah or well yeah. at least it was when i grew up and you know i just kind of like internalized that i guess and it, yeah i was like 19 when i first kissed a guy so all right yeah that's that's still younger than i was i think oh, all right yeah <laughs> yeah no but um i know how how long did that take uh, did you just from one day to another decide oh this is what i am now or did, oh, was no. there a process there, trying there, out there, different there, stuff? There was quite a process. Uh, at one point, uh, I was very good friends with this uh, non-binary person in California. Right. And we just talked a lot. And, you know, I still thought I was cis. I, even though, like I said, I was androgynous as shit. Um, and I just kind of, like, read up more about it and kind of came to the realization, which, yeah, wait, this fits me too. All right, but um, getting back to the music part and all that, mm-hmm. was like, was that also something you base your music taste off? Like you mentioned briefly, you also listen to The Cure. Is that yeah. like because Robert Smith wore lipstick or that kind of stuff? Ooh, um, I don't know. I think I actually like listened to their music without knowing what he looked like. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, but like, yeah, they did the whole androgynous thing about uh, golf. Did did draw me in i did quite like that yeah all right um gonna move on to the to our next little segment um belgrado do i pronounce it the right just yeah, like the well, ca- yeah it's it, i think they pronounce it belgrado uh, but um i might also be terribly wrong about that <laughs> all right uh well i'm gonna let you listen to decide on that there we go belgrado track called process uh no progress life experience yeah yeah absolutely um i first saw belgrado in i 
think 2012, uh, they were playing with another band called Bellicose Minds at the Frankrijk in Amsterdam. Oh, yeah, uh, that's nice. And uh, I had heard of them. Like, both of the bands were on the same compilation album. I got, uh, well, it was like a digital thing. I got it uh, like a few months prior and I loved it. It was a compilation of like uh, newer post-punk, death rock, dark punk, and it was, it was like four four CDs. And it was amazing. Like it did really. I still listen to a lot of those bands. And then I saw they were playing in Amsterdam, so I went there. Uh, somehow I ended up at the end of the month with 200 euros left. How does that even happen? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't broke for some reason. Uh, so I bought a shit ton of merch and a shit ton of beer. And then um, I basically just stayed in, all the way until the end. And I was still living in the bus and there were no more trains. Ooh. So uh, my friend uh, just said like, oh, yeah, well, I know these people. You can crash at their place. And I was like, OK, fine. And then they left before I did. <laughs> Ah, well, uh, well they, they went to this bar just across the street. I just stayed until the end, just like chatting uh, with band members oh, all right. and drinking and buying more merch. I think <laughs> I spent like over 100 euros on merch at night. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Just because you were that that convinced by the show, it was that yeah. good. Yeah, it was that good. What uh, made it that good? Oh, damn, I was drunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... Uh, it's kind of a backhanded compliment there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it it was really good. Uh, just the energy of that Belgrado has on stage is uh, pretty good. Like the entire ensemble of their band uh, is uh, it's pretty energetic, which I quite like. And this this music is also um, pretty upbeat and still uh, has. I just really like the music, and um, yeah. So I bought like their entire uh, discography and vinyl. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and that, that was before I even had a final player. I, ju I just, <laughs> I thought they were so amazing. I wanted to support them. And, uh, well, I, I, that, I had 200 euros left. So, hey, why not? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a good reason to support and to, to, to buy, to buy merch, just to support yeah. the band. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's yeah. solid. Um, so a little bit about Belgrado themselves. Um, uh, unlike what you might think, dear listener, they're actually not from Belgrade. They're from Bar Barcelona. Um, so much so that they don't even have a Dutch nor English Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh, look them up a little bit. <laughs> Their only Wikipedia page is in German, I reckon. Um, and, well, guess who's back? The Cure. Because if there is one band that I distinctly think of when listening to this, it's 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 Robert Smith and the gang. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, there are the similarities are uncanny. Yeah, um, yeah. But as surprising as it is, I I thought they were like this old old school band from the eighties because, but because that's what they sound like. But yeah. they're like the song we just listened to was released twenty twenty thirteen. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's from their uh, Ciclo XXI or Ciclo Twenty One. I. Honestly, I don't know how to pronounce their name. I don't know how to pronounce their albums, but hey, I also don't know how to pr how to what they're singing about most of the songs because most of their songs are in Polish. So their their singer is Polish, um, Patricia. Uh, but yeah, I I just like it anyway. I have no idea what they're saying. I mean, I at some point I could distinctly 
harassing, being depressed, being depressed, being depressed. Yeah, uh, well, be, be, being oppressed and distressed uh, is uh, indeed uh, in the. This is one of their few English songs. Right. I figured yeah. it would be a bit more accessible, so we could actually talk about what they're singing about. <laughs> right. So that's why you picked this song out of. Yeah. It's not like you distinctly remember that you went to that show and this song just grabbed you by the throat and made you enjoy the evening that much more. No, I think uh, my favorite song, um, and I'm hoping, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, is Yetskrias uh, or something, Yetskrias. I, I, I really don't know how to pronounce that. In that case, neither would I, mate. I've got <laughs> no clue. Uh, do you go to concerts often? Uh, I do, yeah. Uh, I think at least twice a month. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that is a lot. I thought I was I was going to a lot of concerts once a month. Well, I also have like like the benefit of living above Aku, so I could literally just walk down and waltz into a random concert. Oh yeah, all right. Yeah, we're not talking big productions here. Uh, not necessarily. No. Uh, like a lot of things I go to are very DIY. Right. But actually, one of the uh, production bigger production I'm going to uh, in two weeks. Uh, can, can can I promote a festival? Uh, yeah, sure thing. It's not like anyone's paying us anything. Oh, so. right, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, this is Grauson Festival uh, in uh, The Hague. And they're actually, uh, incidentally, like, uh, b- the singer from Belgrado also has a different project called Fata Morgana, which is more uh, synth, a uh, bit minimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, they're playing there. So, oh. Yeah. So, um, but I reckon you distinctly like uh, Belgrado more than Fata Morgana? I do, yes, but based on what? Oh uh, man, well, it's kind of hard to do to explain without also listening to Fata Morgana. But I don't, I don't think they're even on Spotify yet. Um, basically, Belgrado. I, I like guitars. Right. I, I, I like guitars better than most synth projects. Like you know, there there are synth projects that I really really like, uh, like um, Oto, um, Ken Laszlo, uh, a lot of Italo disco. And I'm not saying I don't like Fata Morgana. I, write, I do like them a lot as well, but Belgrado is just, like, way better. <laughs> right. Um, uh, have you seen them more often? Yeah, yeah. I've seen uh, Belgrado uh, twice now. Right. Uh, and Fata Morgana I've also seen earlier this year. Oh. Um, Same venue, different venues? Uh, different venues, yeah. Um, what's your favorite venue to go to? I mean, you mentioned that Belgrado you've seen in... Frankreich, Frankreich, yeah. yeah. And I, then there's Aku, which Aku, is basically uh, your backyard. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, what what makes you like a specific venue? Oh, man. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I like Frankreich uh, as a venue uh, better than Aku. Uh, even though, like, Aku is, like, my home. But, it's like stab in the back there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Frankreich I also really like uh, it's, uh, it's also an old squat bar and it's a lot more uh, raw uh, if you will it's a lot more uh, all the walls are filled with graffiti there's political posters everywhere right. uh, it's a lot less um, well I would almost use the word gentrified uh, <laughs> like they don't have like we, like you know in Aku we have like this fancy ass coffee machine we mm-hmm. have these fancy ass cash register. Uh, they don't have that. They just have like a drawer with money in it, and wow. you just gotta like put money in it, take money out of it, give give someone a bottle of beer. That's right. Then it's a bit more old school. Do they even have a tap? Like no, <laughs> a, a beer tap. Like, no, no. They used to, 
but uh, not anymore. They do so, still have like the metal plating. Uh, so did you switch back to bottles? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, shout out to Frankrijk. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but um, what about what about venues in general? Like um, larger venues, smaller venues? I Well, it kind of depends on the band, but generally I prefer uh, smaller uh, DIY spaces like Aku, Frankrijk, Oki. Um, but also like the, the Vinger. Oh, that doesn't exist anymore, I think, anyway. Uh, like, I like places where uh, you can really... It's it's a lot more human, I think, DIY spaces. Right. And with bigger venues, like, um, like you, you, you don't have that much connection to the uh, to the band, to the music, to the gig, what's happening. Um, I mean, you can if you just mm-hmm. arrive three hours early, get to the front and just don't move anymore. <laughs> right. But yeah, it, it's it's a lot bigger, a lot uh, less personal. I less think. intimate. Yeah, less yeah. intimate. There's less interaction. I mean, surely art artists are not to blame for that. Like they, in my experience, st- still try to interact with and interact as much with the pl- public as they would in a smaller space. But mm-hmm. In a smaller, smaller, <laughs> smaller space, it's just it's just more intimate. It's just um, there's less people for them to interact with. Mm-hmm. Which also means the uh, the concentration of interaction is a lot uh, bigger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they get just the amount of time and just as much time to interact with fewer people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You being a booker, does that make you go to gigs differently? Do you look at shows differently? Yet? Uh occasionally, yes. Um, in what sense? In what sense? Um, it's got kind of like looking how other people book bands, how they uh, manage. Um, well, the stage, uh, but mostly it's just talking to uh, organizers like, hey, how do you do this? Uh, recently I ran into this problem, how uh-huh. would you go about that? It's not that I watch the bands differently. Uh, maybe I'm like, oh man, I really want to book these guys, but... <laughs> right, yeah, but but then do you do you go and find the booker after that show or uh, sometimes you just rub, rub elbows with with the Frankreich booker or uh, yeah, well sometimes uh, like uh, I like it, it's a small scene, um, right. it, It's very easy to like know people who know people. Yeah, it, it's 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 a small scene mostly. Mostly, like I'm not gonna be able to talk to the booker of uh, like I went to Gary Newman last year. Not gonna be able to talk to that booker, I think. Yeah. Well, I could, but I have no idea who he is or she or they. Yeah, no, you you have to put in a little bit more effort than that. Yeah, yeah. but you know, you, and that kind of makes me wonder because you've been uh, talking a lot about your comfortable small punk scene. Um, yeah, <laughs> what's the biggest show you've ever been to? The biggest show? Oh man! Uh, all right, okay. This is this is gonna be funny. Um, oh yes yeah all right so Bring i it. told you about my parents music tasting music right yes yes briefly so um every two years or so um we just have like this, this family trip to uh <laughs> yep yeah in uh <laughs> in the Philips stadium oh wow yeah yeah yep. <laughs> oh, that, holy shit <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but by far the biggest i mean it's a fucking uh stadium oh wow but like do you just go there to throw around with beer and and have a jolly good drunken time or are you just uh, mostly just have beer with my family and have fun right i mean it, it might not be my music but you know i i, I i'll make do yeah it's just 
do as everybody else, get wasted. Yeah. <laughs> so as a matter of fact, you do you, you do just tag along with your parents to throw around with beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I personally don't throw around beer. I think beer is way too valuable to be thrown around. I think you should drink it. But uh, there is definitely beer throwing going on there. <laughs> I mean, if that's one of the... Just for you, listener, because we're talking a little bit niche about Dutch music right here, but it's actually one of the key phrases of one of the songs, like thunder and lightning and it's raining meters and meters of beer. Oh, yeah, so it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That that was unexpected. Yeah. Like, I was I was, I was, was expecting you were going to say something like um, Iron Maiden in the Zigadome or something. No, but, no. Yeah, no, this... This, I think, by far... Um, I mean, I, I've seen big alternative concerts. I've seen uh, Skeletal Family, um, these, um, Sex Gang Children, Kitan Demon, Bloody Dead and Sexy. And those were, those were in venues that were all pretty big, but they, they weren't but, stadiums. But yeah, no, but those, still don't, those bands still don't sound like um, 2,000 people are up. No, no, I think this was a few hundred. All oh, right. Yeah, so basically your mainstream venues, but the smaller room. Uh, yeah, that too. But also, uh, I also am a very big fan of uh, Wave Gothic Treffen and Gothic Bogo Festival, which is this huge festival oh, okay, in uh, yeah. Leipzig with a lot of uh, mostly goth and alternative music. And, you know, you can't, when you have like thousands upon thousands of goths converging in one city... And it's possible to also have these like bigger venues uh, and uh, have those pretty niche bands play there. Right. So for how long have you been going there? Because that sounds really fun. Um, I think this this year is going to be like my sixth or seven. Yeah, I think six or seven years now. Oh wow, that's you've built up quite a reputation there, haven't you? I have, yes. <laughs> I mean, but how do you look at those bands there? It's like, do you also... Are you able to let go of the booker in you? It's like looking all of that, oh, yeah. like, yeah, I want to bring yeah. those to Aku at some point. Yeah, like, um, I I also know the organizers there, but when I'm there, I'm just uh, I'm just there to have fun. I, that, right. That's actually, like, I, I still, like, if I had the chance to, like, talk to... I, I do talk to bands there and to bookers, and occasionally, like, actually, like, um, when I booked Fangs on Fur, they were looking for more gigs throughout Europe. And uh, I just pulled, pulled asked, some, asked a few friends of mine, like, hey, look, Fangs, Fangs on Fur wants to play in Europe. Uh, do you guys want to book them in, like, Prague, Vienna, um, Leipzig, Hamburg? Right. And, yeah, so that works like that as well. And the other way around, uh, when other bookers have bands that want to play in Europe somewhere... Um, they, they can also send me a message. All right. Sounds cool. Sounds fun. Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, the last track of today's podcast. Um, in the category Most Recent Discovery, got a band called Supernova um, 1006? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I don't know. Like 1006. It's a track called Gold.
They're from Russia, apparently. Um, track itself was released August 2008. Kind of pulled out their bandcamp right here. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it sounds it sounds very energetic. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I figured I'd, I'd put some diversity in the songs that I would bring to this uh, podcast. And uh, basically, I just uh, looked through my library and Spotify, like the five most recently added songs. And I was like, this, this, this I like this one. Yeah. Is that also how you came across it? Just browsing through Spotify and yeah, suddenly it's yeah. there? It's, I put on one of my daily mixes and this popped up and I was like, yeah, this, this is good. All right. But you're, you're right. It does seem like a bit of a taste breaker because if you pointed out earlier, you prefer guitars over synths. I do. Yeah. So this is... Uh, this is the obvious odd one out. This is uh, this is like the other side of uh, music that I like. Uh, this synthy, uh, but also with like uh, I, I'm not sure if they use real drums or a drum machine, but like uh, good. I think we can tell pretty certain that the drum machines maybe they, they probably are. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, it still gives like a good solid uh, kick to the song. It does. And, um, yeah, it's just a very energetic song, and it's very dancey. It is. Is it is it the kind of the kind of stuff you'd go clubbing to or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is uh, like like I mentioned Gothic Pogo before. Mm-hmm. This is something that could be played there. Yeah. And uh, have you seen them live already? Did you just like did you hear this song and it's like yeah I need to check that out? Uh, actually, I have no idea that they were even from Russia. I just picked picked a new song, and I don't know that much about it actually. Yeah. No. Apparently. Um they're they're from Saint Petersburg. Uh, this specific track was released uh, August second, twenty eighteen. Mm. Um, the name Supernova Thousand and Six um, is. Um, can you guess what the, the year one thousand? <laughs> you probably have your Wikipedia page open right now, don't you? I, I don't. Uh, I don't have Wi-Fi here. All <laughs> uh, right, that's fair. Yeah, no. Um, uh, Supernova Thousand and Six is. Uh, a reference to an historical event because uh, at some point there was a supernova in the sky uh, in the year 1006. Oh, shit. And it's, it's the largest uh, ever registered uh, supernova in uh, recorded history, so to oh, speak. Wow. Yeah, no. Um, I have uh, need to translate real quick because I've got my Wikipedia open in German at the moment. Um, yeah, no, apparently there were uh, sightings from this specific supernova in uh, Switzerland, Egypt, Italy, Iraq, Japan, and China. So, Damn. yeah, people all over the world was like, holy fuck, what's going on in the sky there? <laughs> um yeah, no. So that's apparently what they what 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 they named themselves after. Uh, I mean, ironically enough, um, Wikipedia doesn't mention Russia anywhere in this article. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Apparently, that's that's what it's on about. Um, I mean, if you want, I could look up that that tour schedule real quick. See if uh, see if we can get something going here. Yeah, let, let's um, go. See if they're touring anywhere near uh, the Netherlands. I mean, that bankup does have a has a a, a contact. Uh, button. So I, I I reckon if you want to book them, that's where, that's where to go. Well, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. No. Great. I I I love that. This is the one we ended on because I'm super pumped now. Yeah. Maybe right? we should have started on this. Like just. Yeah. To get like to st- let's just go on for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's brilliant. No, we've been we've been going on for an hour. I think. Um, uh, are there some final last remarks you want to say about this band? Just kind of happy to pop in. Um. They're awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, they are. I'm really glad. I didn't know this before. So it's a fun way to discover new music as well, this podcast is. Um, uh, how often do you discover new music? Just put on those daily um, mixes and... I, I listen to my daily mixes Have a lot. whatever served to you? Yeah, like uh, I, I work eight hours a day, uh, usually. Not today. And um, yeah, I usually just... Uh, I, I can just listen to music and I just put on my daily mixes and kind of see what comes up. All right. Well, what comes up must go down. So does this podcast. Um, I want to thank you all for listening again. Um, if there are any of you, they're bound to be at this point. Uh, no, we haven't even gone public yet. You'll figure it out later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want to thank Wouter for being here. Yeah. Um, again, my name is Hannah. You can find me and this podcast on my Twitter page at Duchess of Dare. And we'll see you again next time. Thank you all for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.